What's happening, everybody? On today's show, our SEC Week 3 winners and losers. We do it every Monday. We'll tell you who impressed most as Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss, and LSU get some big wins, and who depressed us, like the Alabama quarterbacks, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and more. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, we do it every Monday. Let's jump into it. Let's get to our winners of the week. Winner. And now, your winners of the weekend. Real winners win. And we start, who else? The Florida Gators and Trevor Etienne. We called it the SEC Game of the Week, and we actually called it on Friday's show. I said Florida would pull off the home upset of number 11 Tennessee. Hopefully you guys took my betting advice on that one, and... Boy, did they ever. We talked about both teams possibly getting their centers back. Well, the Vols did not. Cooper Mays missed his third straight game, and the Vol offense is just not running smooth without him in there. For tennis, or for Florida, they did get their center, Kingsley Aguakin, back, and it made a world of difference. Trevor Etienne called him their field general last week. He said, we're looking forward to getting our field general back, and man, did it show as the Gators ran the ball extremely well against Tennessee. Led by ATN, who had 23 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown. That 62-yard touchdown run came early in the game. Really just set the tone for Billy Napier's crew. Montreal Johnson had a rushing touchdown. Graham Mertz did as well. And I thought a nice job by Graham Mertz really just managing the game. I think I said last week, as long as he didn't turn the ball over, I thought Florida had a chance. And he was solid. 19 of 24, 166 yards, one touchdown, no picks. And now Trevor ATN. He finds himself third in the SEC in total rush yards through the first three weeks. It's Woody Marks at Mississippi State 1. It's Jalen Wright at Tennessee 2. And Trevor Etienne is number three with 281 rushing yards. He's ahead of guys like Cody Schrader at Missouri, Ray Davis at Kentucky. Uh, Montreal Johnson, by the way, he ranks 15th in the SEC in rushing yards ahead of Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss. So as a duo, as a backfield, they are very, very good when their O-line is healthy and they're blocking. I made a prediction before the season. I said that Florida was going to finish top five in the SEC in rushing. Well, they're up to sixth in the conference through three weeks, ahead of the likes of Alabama, right behind Ole Miss. Let's see what Billy Napier's crew can do moving forward. This was a monster marquee win for Billy Napier in Gainesville and the Gators Get a little bit of a breather this week. They host Charlotte before they head out to Lexington to play at Kentucky next week. And you guys know how that game has been a battle in recent years. Kentucky finally woke up after years and years of Florida dominance. Games have been a little back and forth here in recent years. Kentucky's gotten the better of them a couple times. So big, big game coming up next week. But like I said, they get a chance to take a collective breath and uh, 
rest up a little bit against Charlotte, but a very nice start to Billy Napier. Look, everybody was saying he's on the hot seat. The schedule is brutal. They're going to have to pull off some upsets, and they got the first one out of the way. Congrats to the Florida Gators, and uh, Florida Gator fans can walk with their chest puffed out a little bit this week. All right, our next winner of the weekend, how about Malik Neighbors over at LSU? The guy who was preseason all-SEC in just about every list out there, LSU's Malik Neighbors. He was a little slow out of the gates. He had just 67 yards in week one against Florida State, had 87 yards in week two against Grambling. But this past weekend, playing at Mississippi State, Malik Neighbors and his quarterback, Jaden Daniels, they were just on another level together, connecting 13 times. Neighbors with 13 catches for 239 yards and two touchdowns. Those were both career highs for Neighbors. And this game moved him into the lead as the number one receiver in the SEC this season in terms of receiving yards, jumping ahead of South Carolina's Xavier Leggett. Neighbors now has 24 catches for 393 yards. The Bulldogs just had no answer for him. They couldn't cover him. Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, they even connected on a fourth and seven in Mississippi State territory. Rather than just go for the seven yards to keep the drive going, they hooked up for a bomb, 33-yard touchdown pass when all they needed was just, you know, a couple yards to convert. So big play potential is there. We finally saw that big play potential of this LSU offense. And look, all the talk week one was about their loss to Florida State, but people forget their offense still put up 450 yards of offense on the Seminoles. They just didn't score enough points. They didn't execute in the red zone. And through three weeks, LSU has the number one offense in the SEC. Here's the crazy part. Vanderbilt is second. Vanderbilt Vanderbilt has played four games while LSU has played three. So if you just look at yards per game, it's LSU number one at 537 a game. Ole Miss not far behind. They're number two at 526. But one could argue LSU's offense may be a little bit more impressive having done it against the likes of Florida State and Mississippi State, while Ole Miss has done it against Tulane and Georgia Tech. But hey, these two teams will face in Oxford in a couple weeks, and maybe that uh, debate on who has the best offense in the SEC will be settled. But a tip of the cap to Jaden Daniels, played one of his best games of his career, completing 30 of 34 passes for 361 yards through the air, 64 rushing yards as well, combined for four touchdowns on the day. He completed 88% of his passes, the best completion percentage ever for an LSU quarterback in a game with at least 25 attempts. And even despite their week one loss, LSU is looking like perhaps one of the best teams in the SEC. They're going to get a tough test this weekend hosting Arkansas. So we'll see if LSU is indeed the real deal. Shout out to All-American Harold Perkins, by the way. Finally got his first sack of the season. Another winner of the weekend, I got Harrison Mevis, the senior kicker for Missouri Mevis delivered the kill shot for Mizzou, drilling a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer to upset number 15 Kansas State in Como, a monster win for Eli Drinkwitz and company. And I'll be honest, all last week, I just didn't see how Mizzou could pull off the upset. Despite being at home, they just did not look great the week prior in a close win against Middle Tennessee. But credit goes to quarterback Brady Cook. He played one of his best games in a Mizzou uniform, going 23 for 35, 356 yards, two passing touchdowns, also had a rushing touchdown. Brady Cook balled out. Look, man, they had booed him in recent weeks in Como. He took some hard hits from that Kansas State defense, was sacked a couple times. But the chemistry he's developing with Luther Burden starting to show. Luther Burden, seven catches, 114 yards, and the two touchdowns. 
But Mookie Cooper, Theo Weiss, Cook is using all of his targets. Just a monster win for Coach Drinking Company. And as a coaching staff, they kind of mismanaged that final minute. They took a delay game penalty with six seconds left. Didn't really know what they were doing. That, that made Mevis's attempt even longer. But Mevis had the leg. He delivered the walk-off win. Drinkwitz said after the game, he and the coaches already decided if they had crossed midfield and got towards the 40-yard line, they were going to give Mevis a chance to kick the game-winning field goal. And now Mizzou, 3-0 to start the season. For the first time in the Eli Drinkwitz era, it was Missouri's first sellout crowd at home since 2019 and their first non-conference sellout since 2012. This was Drinkwitz's third win over a top 25 opponent. Got that raise this offseason, some people wondering, oh, is he on the hot seat? And if you look ahead for Missouri, they get a neutral site game up next against Memphis and St. Louis before a road trip to Vanderbilt. If they take care of business... It's a very good chance Missouri is 5-0 when LSU comes to town on October 7th. Certainly something worth keeping an eye on. Our next winner of the weekend, I've got Dejon Edwards. It, I've been critical of Georgia the last couple weeks. Their run game has not looked like it should. But on Saturday, when the number one team in the country was facing adversity, being outplayed by South Carolina in their house between the hedges, trailing 14-3 at halftime, the Bulldogs found their offense. And they found their run game and right out of halftime, Dejon Edwards helped the Bulldogs. They go right down the field, get to the red zone. He scores a touchdown. They cut the deficit from 14-3 to 14-10. to Georgia answers with another touchdown on the very next drive. They take a 17-14 lead. They never look back. It was the first time Georgia trailed in a game since they were down versus Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. And on a day where Georgia as a team rushed for 189 yards, it was Dejon Edwards leading the way with 20 carries, 118 yards, and a score. It was his first game back on the field this season, and he just gave them that that run game, that giant boost when they needed it most. He provided that explosiveness that's been missing. And look, it wasn't all pretty. Georgia lost offensive tackle Marius Mims to what appeared to be a serious injury. Their kicker, Peyton Woodring, missed two field goals on the day. But the biggest stat of the day, zero points allowed by the Georgia defense in the second half. And as we talked about, the Bulldogs... They look kind of disinterested at times in their first two games. Word is they should be getting Lad McConkie back very soon. He has yet to play this year. But this was Georgia's 20th straight win. It was their largest home comeback since Auburn 2009. Hopefully this was the wake-up call they needed as the Bulldogs will host UAB this weekend before they go to Auburn on September 30th. But at 3-0, looking like Georgia's still the best team in the SEC East. Another winner of the weekend, I got Dallas Turner in here on a day where the Alabama offense was just atrocious. Coming off that home loss to Texas, the Alabama defense had to get after South Florida, and they did just that. They held the Bulls to just 264 yards of offense. They forced two turnovers. They picked up five sacks, and two and a half of those sacks came from pass rusher Dallas Turner. He had been slow out of the gates to start the year, but he gets his first few sacks of the season in this one. And if Alabama's going to make some noise still this year, they need to get that pass rush really churning. They had zero sacks a week ago against Quinn Ewers in Texas. Maybe this is the game that gets Dallas Turner accelerating as we he now has 15 total sacks in his two-plus years in Tuscaloosa. He also had five solo tackles in this one. Next up for 2-1 and one Alabama, it is a visit from the number 15th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels. Should be a really, really interesting one. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we got more winners of the weekend. Uh, stick around. That is coming your way in just a sec. But first, want to remind you guys this episode is brought to you by our friends over at 
better help. Look, sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just go on to their website. You fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched up with a licensed therapist. And by the way, you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. Let therapy be your map. Check out our friends at BetterHelp. Just go to their website. It is uh, betterhelp.com slash locked on college. B E T T E R help, H E L P dot com slash locked on college. Go there today. That'll get you 10% off your first month. It might be what you need this, um, you know, toward, heading towards the end of the year. Of course, holiday season approaching. Check out, check them out again, betterhelp.com slash locked on college and get that 10% off your first month. Going along here, locked on SEC and running through our winners of the weekend. We got more winners of the weekend in just a second, but we want to remind you, of course, college football is here and locked on. Every Friday, we got our Locked On College football kickoff live with a panel of hosts, a number of analysts joining those guys throughout the show. You'll hear insights from me and our other Locked On Conference hosts as well, previewing all the biggest games heading into the weekend. You can find Locked On College football kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's dive back into it. More winners of the weekend for you guys. Winner take all. More winners of the weekend right now. Thanks, sound guy. We dive back into it. Jackson Dart. All the talk in the offseason about Ole Miss's quarterback battle, and Jackson Dart has said, What quarterback battle? He has put up some monster numbers so far to lead Ole Miss to a 3 0 season start. And on Saturday, it was Jackson Dart leading Ole Miss to a 48-23 win over Georgia Tech as he threw for 251 yards and a touchdown, but he also rushed 14 times for 136 yards and two rushing touchdowns on a team with a bunch of really good running backs. It's been Jackson Dart using his legs to pick up uh, ground yards and keep the chains moving for the Rebels on uh, the season. Dart has thrown for 850 yards with seven passing touchdowns, and he has over 200 uh, rushing yards with two rushing scores. He currently ranks sixth in the SEC in rushing yards ahead of Vandy's Patrick Smith, Tennessee's J- uh, Jabari Smith, um, Chase McClellan. He's It's just unbelievable. He's better than a lot of SEC running backs right now. He has more rushing yards than Jane Daniels. I mean, he's the leading rushing quarterback in the SEC through the first three weeks. Jackson Dart is going to have to use his legs a lot more this week heading to Tuscaloosa. Alabama will be getting after him. Should we get our popcorn ready for Jackson Dart against Alabama? We'll have to ask Lane Kiffin that later in the week. Another winner of the weekend. How about over at Kentucky? It was Ray Davis, a guy who was a top five rusher in the SEC a year ago at Vanderbilt. He's once again Currently, a top five rusher in the SEC, but this time he's doing it at Kentucky. A monster day for Ray Davis as he had seven carries for 72 yards and a touchdown, but also three catches for 97 yards and a touchdown receiving. 
Kentucky curb stomped Akron 35-3, but Ray Davis, he was Kentucky's leading rusher and leading receiver on the day. He had a 55-yard run, had a 58-yard catch. It was kind of interesting. It was almost Jared Lorenzen-like. Devin Leary under pressure just kind of gets the ball out, finds Ray Davis, boom, he takes it 58 yards up the field. But Devin Leary also, quick note on him, he had a 300-yard passing day with three touchdowns. It was his first 300-yard game in a Wildcat uniform. He had eight of those at NC State. And the Wildcats, they did lose a couple of fumbles in this one. Leary threw an interception. So they got to clean up those turnovers. I know Mark Stoops said after the game, look, you win this big, you should be happy. But I'm not happy. We've got a lot of things we got to clean up. But Kentucky, Kentucky, they kind of get to ease into SEC play this weekend. They go to Vanderbilt. But keep in mind, they lost to them a year ago. So they are looking to avenge that one. But Ray, do- Ray Davis being all that and then some and uh, picking up the slack with the run game at Kentucky, doing a really good job. Another winner of the weekend. I'm putting Texas A&M offense in here, and, and specifically Anaya Smith. Texas A&M, they needed a bounce back after their loss at Miami a week ago, and they did just that. They beat up on Louisiana Monroe 47-3. Connor Wegman, solid once again, 25 of 29, 337 yards with a touchdown. Look, all the talk in the offseason about Bobby Petrino, will it work? Yes, it's working. Connor Wegman's doing great. The offense is great. It was the defense that stunk against Miami. Uh, obviously, no issues this week for the defense against Louisiana Monroe. But it was good to see Connor Wegman getting that chemistry going with wide receiver Anaya Smith, who led all receivers seven catches, 127 yards in this one. Anias has been one of the Aggies' best offensive weapons since he set on uh, foot on campus back in 2019. He had been kind of quiet to start this year. Just 40 yards against New Mexico. Only had three catches, 27 yards in the loss at Miami. So it was good to see Anaya Smith break out with his first 100-yard receiving day since their opener a year ago against Sam Houston. Keep in mind, he only played in four games last year before that season-ending injury against Arkansas. Opted to come back for that super senior year, and he is a guy who is now closing in on 2,000 career receiving yards at A&M. 140 catches. 1,806 receiving yards. Anaya Smith currently ninth on the school all-time receiving yards list. And pretty soon he's going to be passing guys uh, on this list. Here's the names he can pass over these next couple weeks. Jamon Osbin, Easy Wachiku, and Mike Evans. How about that? Anaya Smith, a chance to surpass Mike Evans in coming weeks on the all-time receiving list at AM. Also, shout out to Jade Walker. He had a 100-yard uh, receiving day as well with a touchdown. And AM, they get into SEC play this weekend, hosting Auburn, an early one, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Speaking of Auburn, we got to get into a little bit of Peyton Thorne. Look, Auburn beat up on Samford 45-13. to 13. I get it. The opponent wasn't all that great. But Peyton Thorne really needed a game with a productive statistical game, if you will. His first two games weren't all that great. Against UMass, he threw for 140 yards. Against Cal, it was even worse. Only 94 passing yards. He needed to do something. And Peyton Thorne looked much better in this one, going 24 for 32 for 282 yards on a touchdown. He did have two interceptions in the end zone, so that's not great. Needs to cut back on that. But who knew he could be so mobile? Peyton Thorne was the leading rusher in this one for Auburn with 11 carries for 123 yards, two rushing touchdowns. I think Thorne's best rushing day at Michigan State was something like 47 yards. 
He had a 38-yard run alone in this one. And just another component to his game that maybe opponents need to pay attention to. It was easily his biggest game in an Auburn uniform. And Peyton Thorne becomes the first Auburn quarterback since Nick Marshall in 2014 to rush for 100 yards and pass for 200 yards in a game. Peyton said after the game, it was nice to show I'm not that slow. Auburn had just 230 yards against Cal. They put up 560 yards of offense on Samford. And Auburn improved to 3-0 for the first time since 2019. Next up, a huge road test. Heading out to College Station to take on 2-1 Texas A&M. Uh, one more note on Auburn. Jalen Simpson, he got his third interception of the season. He's the first Auburn player with picks in three straight games since Gerard Powers did it in 2007. So Jalen Simpson becoming that ball hawk. Watch out for him back there. And lastly, in our winners of the weekend, I'm putting a guy who lost. Normally, we don't list a player who lost among winners of the weekend, but I got to give credit to Spencer Rattler. If you watch this game, that kid battled his butt off against Georgia over in Athens, threw for 256 yards, led South Carolina that 14-3 halftime lead. He just had no time to throw throughout that second half. His O-line could not protect him. He took hit after hit after hit. He was Carolina's leading rusher on the day with eight carries for 35 yards. He did have two interceptions, but things just got so much more difficult for him when Juice Juice Wells left the game with a foot injury. It was rainy. The field was soggy. Georgia sacked him three times. Again, I ran through our full winners. I'm I'm putting him almost like an honorable mention. I just wanted us to tip our cap to Spencer Rattler. If he had a stronger offensive line and a run game, the Gamecocks might have won against North Carolina and might have beat Georgia, honestly. After the game, Shane Beamer said, we just went toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country and back-to-back defending national champs. We just weren't able to get it done. Again, I like Spencer Rattler. We had him on the show a couple times. And again, kudos to him. Played his butt off. Just doesn't have the supporting cast. And, and honestly, Georgia, better team prevailed anyway. But uh, nonetheless, great, great performance there, at least for a couple of quarters in Athens against the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, those are our winners of the weekend. Coming up next, we'll tell you who depressed us in week two. That is coming your way in just a sec. I said week two. I should mean week three. All right, let's uh, get into it, guys. Now is time for your game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Georgia changed the game in the second half against South Carolina, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Uh, They are changing the non-alcoholic beer game. Uh, Like we said, full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. They're fit for all times. So look, you can drink them anytime, anywhere, make any activity more enjoyable. If you're watching a big game, watching your kid's game, whatever it is, no hangovers ever, and you can find Athletic in-store, online, and at bars around the country. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use our promo code LOCKEDON. That'll get you 15% off your first order online. That code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout. Get 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times.
All right, rolling along here, Locked On SEC. We ran through all of our winners of the weekend. Now it's time to get to who depressed us. Who was not very good in week two, week three in the SEC? Keep saying week two, week three. We turned the page. We did week one, we did week two. Now we've gone through three weeks of the SEC season. We should kind of start to get a picture on who's good, who's not, who's overrated, who depressed us, and who depressed us next it was the Tennessee run game and really the Tennessee offense as a whole. Tennessee came into this past weekend as one of the top rushing offenses in the country and in the SEC. But the Florida Gators, they slowed them down. Tennessee rushed for just 100 yards on the ground in the swamp, all in 30 carries in their 29-16 loss to Florida. Jalen Wright held to just 63 yards on 16 carries. Jabari Small had seven carries for 35 yards. Joe Milton... He had five rush attempts for a net of six yards. Tennessee rushed for 228 yards against Austin P and 287 against Virginia. And just 100 against Florida. Uh, the Vols last won in the Swamp, of course, in 2003, and that streak holds up. They were six-and-a-half-point favorites at kickoff. But Tennessee flagged for five false starts. They had to burn two timeouts early in the second half to avoid delay of game penalties. Joe Milton, he threw an interception in the first half. It was his first in 250 pass attempts at Tennessee. And the offense just never found rhythm, man. Uh, it was tough to watch if you're a Tennessee fan. You, you know, you just assumed, oh, from Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton we go, and the continuity will just keep going. But Joe Milton just doesn't look as good, as polished as Hendon Hooker became, of course, uh, last season. This game ended with... A bit of a scuffle. Penalty flags on both sides. Graham Mertz took a knee. Amari uh, Thomas ran into him. Benches cleared. And defensive back Kamar Kamal Haddon got into it with Micah Mizuka from Florida and squared up like boxers. Mizuka threw a punch at him. We also found out offensive tackle Gerald Mincy did not play in this when he was cited for simple possession last Thursday. He did make the trip to Florida, but Josh Heupel rolled with Jeremiah Crawford at right tackle. So you got to wonder, look, had they had Gerald Mincy in there, had Cooper Mays played, and maybe the offensive line would have been fine. And when they get those guys back, maybe everything will be fine. The run game will be fine. Protection for Joe Milton will be fine. But the big question now is how does Tennessee respond? It just, you know, somebody brought up the point that after two really good years at UCF, Josh Heupel had a bit of a decline in year three there. Well, this is year three at Tennessee. Is this team taking a step back? Are these things fixable? They get a good test this week at home hosting UTSA, who's had some really good offensive weapons, but they're one and two with losses to Army and Houston. So maybe Tennessee getting them at the right time. After UTSA, the Vols will host South Carolina and then Texas A&M. So the offense needs to be clicking on all cylinders by the time they get to those. All right, the next deep press of the weekend, I got Tyler Buckner and really just the Alabama quarterbacks as a whole. Color me shocked. As we heard the news on Friday, Alabama was going to be making a change at quarterback, turning away from quarterback Jalen Milrow, who had started the first two games, to try out Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner. Even before the lengthy weather delay, this one was ugly. Tyler Buckner completed just five of 14 passes against USF for 34 yards. He had two rush attempts for 11 yards. Ty Simpson came in later in the game. He was 5 for 9 for 73 yards. Saving grace was the run game. Rode Williams finally got the ground game going in the second half. He finished with 129 yards and a score. Jason McClellan has 74 rush yards. But a hideous day 
on offense for the Alabama Crimson Tide is they were heavy road favorites. I think about 33-point favorites against South Florida. Bama's quarterbacks were sacked five times on the day. Buckner completed just five passes. A completion per sack, basically. Uh, They finished the day with 107 total passing yards. That's the lowest in the last 87 games for Alabama and six-plus seasons. you got to go back to 2017 against Washington uh, for least amount of passing yards in recent years. Some believe Alabama wanted to use this game to kind of test out the other quarterbacks just to see what they have. I would go back to Milrow this week. That would be, in my opinion, at least his running ability gives him some versatility. And his production the first two weeks were really good. Looked at he had a couple of turnovers. Sure, you want to cut those out, but man, compare that to what we saw this past Saturday. Uh, rumor is they may roll with Ty Simpson now. But in my opinion, I would stick with Milrow. I just think he's he's better. The running ability and all that he brings. If they think Ty Simpson's a better passer. Okay, let's see it, but we didn't see it against UCF. Maybe they're going to say, oh, the weather and all this, but big test. Ole Miss coming to town against Alabama, and uh, that spread is not as big as it once was thought to be. See Alabama response. They got a quarterback problem. Over at Arkansas, who depressed? I'm putting Sam Pittman on here. This one was hard to put a ton of blame on just one thing. Arkansas just had a bunch of small mistakes that all mounted as the Razorbacks lost at home to BYU 38-31. K.J. Jefferson, he threw an interception and lost a fumble. Arkansas had 14 penalties for 125 yards, two turnovers. Arkansas's offense was just 2-for-13 on third downs. They scored 24 points in the first half and just second in the sec- or seven in the second half. They were shut out in the fourth quarter. A lot of things did go right for Arkansas. They put up 400 yards of offense. The run game even looked good without Rocket Sanders. A.J. Green and Rashad Dominion carried the load. But I just feel like in year four of Sam Pittman, he cannot lose a game like this at home to BYU. He's now 21-18 and as a head coach at Arkansas, getting close to 500. The announced attendance in this one was 74,800. It was the eighth largest crowd in DWR history. And Arkansas fans, man, they were hoping this was the year. Sam Pittman would take that big step forward, not a step backward. And now you look at the next few weeks. At LSU this week, A&M in Dallas, at Ole Miss and at Alabama. Man, the, the losses may start to pile up here for Arkansas. Dan Eno says the OC has not been impressive in this 2-1 start. He, is need to, he needs to figure out some things and figure them out very quickly. We'll see if Arkansas can rebound, but man, ugh, losing a BYU at home just leaves an awful taste in your mouth. Another deep press of the weekend. How about the Mississippi State offense? We knew the state offense was going to look different after the passing of Mike Leach moving on from the air raid, but man, did it look like LSU exposed the Bulldogs. State's O-line is not very good. They gave no protection for quarterback Will Rogers, and outside of a 52-yard run from Woody Marks, State had 20 rushes for just 42 yards on all their other running attempts. State receivers struggled to connect with Will Rogers, that Kevin Barbe offense looking like it should have stayed at Appalachian State rather than coming to Starkville. And LSU held the Bulldogs to just 201 yards of total offense. LSU outgained Mississippi State 310 to 79 yards in the first half. And Will Rogers, he had his worst game 
as a quarterback in Mississippi State, going 11 of 28 for 103 yards, no touchdowns. Zach Arnett, you got to figure out some things quickly because if they thought they could ride a power run game, they ain't going to do that with this O-line. And Will Rogers has no time back there. That pocket is just collapsing. So Mississippi State, woof, ugly this past week. Another deep press of the week. I'm, I'm, this is going to sound very nitpicky because Ole Miss is 3-0. But where is last year's Quinshawn Judkins? Remember the guy who led the SEC in rushing last year? He's been slow to get going. He had 13 carries this week for 37 yards and a touchdown. That's 2.8 yards per carry. He did have two catches for 27 yards. But through three games, Quinshawn Judkins, 44 carries for just 145 yards. That's just over three yards per rush. And you compare that to this point a year ago, Judkins had double that production through three weeks of the season. He's a guy expected to be among the league leaders in rushing once again. He currently ranks 16th in the SEC rushing. That's just ahead of Peyton Thorne. Good news for Ole Miss. They're getting good rushing production overall from Jackson Dart. Ulysses Bentley has had some nice runs. And as a team, they have over 500 rushing yards. So it's just not come from who we expected in Judkins. And our last deep press, I'm putting Vandy in here, man. Look, losing at UNLV, when we talk about trying to get to a bowl game, Vandy, you started 2-0, but now you're 2-2 with losses at Wake Forest and then this week at UNLV. They dominated early. They took a 17-0 lead after the first quarter. They controlled the line of scrimmage, but then they trailed 30-7 in the fourth quarter. They had to rally to tie it before both teams traded touchdowns in the final two minutes, 20 seconds, and then came the final kick. UNLV made it. Vanderbilt quarterback A.J. Swan, he injured his elbow toward the end of the first half, but later returned 16 of 35 for just under 300 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. Man, he had four turnovers. The mistakes were just messy. And to play like that against a team that doesn't even really compete in the Mountain West... Terrible sign for Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's hopes of getting to a bowl game, heading to SEC play. But what a win it was for former Arkansas D.C. Barry Odom, now as the head coach at UNLV. Uh, last thing we'll just throw in here as kind of a deep press, and this is more just, why do we keep doing this? The SEC office, they announced yesterday that the University of Missouri will be fined for a violation of the league's access to competition area with fans rushing the field after the win. They incurred a fine of $100,000 for the first offense, whatever. It's so silly. No one cares. Finding a school for rushing the field after a big win, again, newsflash, they're going to keep doing it. If the SEC team pulls off a big upset at home, their fans are rushing the field. It is what it is. Find them. They'll pay the fine. They don't care. If you really want to stop it, you got to find out more ways to punish a school other than just a fine. Money is endless. They'll keep paying it. All right, thanks to you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Keep on coming back tomorrow on the show. Start to turn the page a little bit. Start to look ahead to next. Uh, the game's happening later this week. And, of course, we'll uh, give you some takeaways from the podium on what a lot of the coaches had to say following their week three wins or losses and preparing for week four. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Again, thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.